Hello and welcome to the first episode of Sporting for His Glory. So I'm just so excited this is actually happening now. Um, it's been something that I've been thinking about doing for quite a while. So I'm really glad that it's finally coming together. And um, I just want to introduce our first ever guest. I'm so excited um, to introduce Marilyn Okoro, Olympian. Not just an Olympian, but an Olympic world and European medalist in athletics, a 400 meter and 800 meter athlete, public speaker, mentor, mental health advocate, UK athletics, non-executive director, and so much more. So yeah, it's really my pleasure to have you on today, Marilyn. I'm so excited and I'm so proud of you as well. This is um, this is huge. So I'm honoured to be your first guest and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And I absolutely love the title, Sporting for His Glory, because that's absolutely um, what it boiled down to for me. Oh, thank you. Um, I also wanted to mention the first time I actually met you, um, you know, at the Unlock 3 launch. And it was just so amazing because I felt like you had such a joyful and encouraging presence. Like, you know, you were just so kind and encouraging to everyone there, probably even people that you didn't know. So like, I just thought, wow, like you're such an amazing person. <laughs> so I was re- it was really great to actually like follow you on, on Instagram and just see how much, you know, your faith also means to you. And, and yeah, just how inspiring that is as well. So yeah, I thought I'd, oh I thought I'd mention that. It's yeah. such an amazing community and sisterhood the unlocked program and it's you know I feel really energized hearing you say that because when I started my unlocked journey I was completely the opposite and I feel like um I was just so excited to see it in the in its you know third year and the excitement of seeing so many incredible talents such as yourself joining and I just have this big sister energy about me so I was just really excited to be there so I'm glad you felt that yeah oh yeah it's so amazing unlocked is yeah so amazing definitely would recommend it to anyone that's listening he's um you know a female athlete and really wants to make change in their sport as well yeah it's absolutely really great. women's sports trust are incredible and they've just supported so much of my transition um and I always say you know your network is your net worth and you just never know who can link you to your next opportunity but I think there's such power in just um, hearing other people's stories and journeys. And that's why I speak so much openly about the things that I go through. Yeah, yeah, amazing. <laughs> so before we start properly, I just thought we could start with a quick prayer, you know, commit everything um, to God and also to encourage you guys who are listening as well. Yeah, so. Thank you, Lord, for this moment. Thank you, Lord, that it's finally happened, that we're beginning something special for your glory. And I just pray for everybody listening. I just pray that they'll really be encouraged by this conversation, Lord, that they'll take something from it to really ponder on that, you know, those that don't know you will find out more about you and find out about the way that you've changed our lives, Lord. And those who do know you, that they'll, you know, just be empowered um, by this conversation. I really just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just flow through us as we speak and that you'll just give us the words you know to say thank you for Marilyn as well and thank you for all that you're doing in her life all that you've done in her life and um yeah we just pray that this will really just be a really encouraging time in Jesus name amen amen (laughs) amen great way to start anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely so my first question is really starting from the beginning actually Marilyn so like how did you really get into athletics how did you get into your sport (laughs) it's it's a really boring way but 
the most accessible, the most powerful way. So it started at school. Um, and actually, it's not boring at all because <clears throat> school was such a blessing. So I grew up in northwest London, um, the borough of Brent, and I'm back here now. It's very cyclical. You know, obviously, I, I retired coming up to two years ago now, and I find myself back in my borough. I'm back in northwest London. And I think God has an amazing way of showing you what his plans always were um, and you understand them at his appointed time. And Brent is known for its gang culture, you know, grave deprivation. Um, And, you know, I was not stranger to that. I grew up in a single parent household. Um, My mum did the best she could with what she could at the time. But somehow at 10 years old, he plucked me from the streets of Stonebridge and put me in an amazing boarding school. And when I speak at schools or different events, there's always someone that says, how did you, coming from where you come from, go to those schools? You know, particularly the second school I went to, Stowe, which is very notorious. Richard Branson's alumni there. James Jagger, Mick Jagger's son went there. And so, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, whether they're wondering what the poor girl from the council estates is doing there. And I just think, you know, God's hand was on my life from so early. But school, the first school I went to was a beautiful school called Abbots Hill in Hertfordshire. And it was really a safe space. It was such a world away from the things I'd seen and known up until that point. I've shared about, you know, I've spent time in care. um, And I suffered with immense loneliness as a child. I don't think I knew that's what it was, but definitely that kind of abandonment. And so I feel like I was just put into this nurturing environment. I still go back to school. I still keep in touch with many of my friends from my year group, even teachers. Um, But that's where I met one incredible person, Mr. George Harrison. And we're about to celebrate his 90th uh, in December. And he introduced me to running. I was told to go to running club. And I was like, why? I loved a game called lacrosse. And so I thought I was going to be an international lacrosse player. (laughs) Uh, But essentially, I just ran all over the pitch, to be honest. I'm not sure if any skills were involved. No one could catch me. Um, And George was a very special individual, so much more than just a coach as they are. You know, uh, he introduced me to my club. I'm a Shaftesbury Barnet Harriers, up the stripes. Um, But he noticed that Yes, I was talented. Yes, I worked hard, but still there would be barriers. There would be obstacles that I faced. Um, And he really was determined to fill that gap. So I think initially it felt like punishment, can't lie, Um, running up and down (laughs) the pitches in the muds. But when I got to the track in the summer, I thought, oh, I like this. And who doesn't like winning? I started winning races, started losing races. And I thought, okay, I need to work harder. Let me get back. And it was a very natural progression right up until university. Um, I have a an amazing Nigerian mum who said running is not a career. She said, I didn't send you to school to run, read your book. So that was my first kind of uh, person I wanted to prove wrong and show her that I could be you know, Nigerian culture, academics is everything. We do pride ourselves on intellectual learnings and you're supposed to be a lawyer, doctor. Um, but for me, I just knew running was was something I was supposed to do. Um, and as much as I submit to my parents and, and elders, I knew I had to defy and I felt like I had God's blessing and God's backing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So amazing. I think it's an amazing story. Yeah. Like how you got into it. And yeah. Oh, so cool. But in terms of like your career as well, like I know it's very easy, you know, sometimes, especially because I've had had questions when people ask things like, oh, what was your highlight? Like, you know, <laughs> what what were those some of those, you know, great memories you've had? And sometimes they want to assume what that is. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, what were some of those highlights of um, your athletics career? 
Oh my goodness. So such a great question. And I think every time I'm asked this, it, it, it doesn't change, but I think it shocks people because, you know, everyone sees the medals, the championships and the travel and, you know, yes, that's amazing. It's definitely some motivational factors, but I always felt a little bit odd because I was never chasing medals. Um, I always say my life can't be measured in the medals. And to be honest, a lot of my medals have come to me retrospectively. So I didn't get them at the time of actually competing. For me, the highlight, definitely, of course, going to an Olympics, but it's always, you know, what I encounter in those championships. And, you know, one of the biggest championships, London 2012, on the surface was actually a disaster for me. Um, I had so much politics going on, but being in the village, I knew that I was being prepared for essentially what I'm experiencing now. And I always loved the connections and the communities um, that I encountered. You know, Christians in sport are very um, active at every championship and just being there. I don't know, there's something in me um, that's a bit of the heart of a mother. I just love being there for people when it not necessarily has gone very well and just being able to comfort people. And I guess a lot of it's born out of what you need and your needs. Um, but I think my favourite race um, was actually when I had to go to Lee Valley and run a time because I was desperately trying to make the world championship team. I ran at Crystal Palace, which is my favourite track in London because I ran my PB there um, for the Olympics. But I ran the night before at the Grand Prix and I was just so painfully close to qualifying time. And they said, no, we're not taking you. I think I ran like 159, eight, 85, and I needed 80. So my coach and I had this idea, Ao Falola was my coach at the time. Let's just go to the, the league match the next day and just run this time. We know you can run this time. And Ao's, you know, we always think he's a bit crazy, but for some reason this idea just stuck and I just woke up and I got there and it's just a local league match. They wouldn't even run, let me run in the A race. They were like, you have to run in the B race. And I just thought, you know, if you want me to be at this championship, Lord, I'm going to run that time. And I don't know if anyone's run at Lee Valley, but it's very windy. Um, but I think just that will, that heart, that desire. And I ran 159.5 on my own. Wow. <laughs> I think like my biggest margin of victory, like 12 seconds. Um, but I just thought, you know, you don't need the big stadiums, the big crowds, you just need that heart and that desire and the will of God on your side. So definitely that's my highlight race because it can show the power of the mind and being, you know, when, when I really understood like the power of God's presence and him carrying me through things. But I guess a huge highlight has to be going to my first Olympics, Beijing. I've never seen anything like it. And it was, you know, it wasn't just I've made an Olympics. It was 10 years journey you know, and just making that team meant so much to me. Yeah. And of course, we eventually became bronze medalists, um, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I really love that. I love how, yeah, you've got obviously the Olympics, a lot of people would say that would be like the highlight. That's like the pinnacle, but it's also great to know about, you know, your own like personal kind of highlight that achievement I mean running like sub two minutes by yourself is like <laughs> is incredible <laughs> anyway to be fair I mean yeah I mean I, I relate to you on that level as well because I do the 800 meters as well I mean that's just pain like what yeah. even what even attracted you to the 800 meters please I did not choose it it chose me <laughs> I always say that but to be honest I learned to love the race um I think when you're young everyone just knows the you know the um the showcase events 100 meters 200 meters especially you know being black you know being robust and muscular 
But I think because of um, my background in different sports, I played tennis, I played lacrosse, I played netball. My speed endurance was there. I also did cross country. And you know how it is when you're young, you just do everything. So I naturally fell into that middle distance. And middle distance is something that I think in the UK, we still don't fully um, coin correctly. um, Because essentially you know, people never looked at me as a middle distance runner. They always pigeonholed me as a sprinter, but middle distance is, is four, eight, 15. That's middle distance. Um, and I would look to people like Maria Matola, who, who really, um, ran those three distances at elite level. And that was always my career goal. But yeah, I think in my head, I was going to be a 400 meter runner, sort of jumping up from the two. But George, my coach had this plan. So from 10 years old, he knew I was going to run the 800. Um, and just naturally I progressed into it. He kind of tricked me into it. I went to an open meeting at Watford, you know, at the end of the season when you've run loads of PBs as you do when you're young. And I ran a massive PB. I think I took my time from 2.15 down to 2.07. And he's like, and that's why you're going to be running the 800. So like I said, it chose me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, so to go maybe a slightly different way, I'm um, just wondering, like, when did you become a Christian? Like, when did your faith, you know, become an important part of your life? Amazing. So I've, 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 raised, I've been raised in a Christian household. Um, I've always known of God. Um, but I think when I took the decision for myself was at uni, you know, when you really take that decision to follow Christ, I think. Um, again, growing up with a Nigerian background, living in London, faith is a huge part of of your upbringing, but it isn't necessarily, I, don't, I wouldn't say I was saved. I definitely feel like God's hand was over my life, but I wasn't seeing um, very comforting um, portrayals of being Christian. I wasn't seeing Christ-likeness in the church. Um, and so definite university where I kind of was a very pivotal time. Cause I think it's like, unless you know whose you are, you can just fall for anything. And I was definitely living in the world and kind of, but that conviction never left me. Um, and I think, you know, my, my third year, I did French and politics at Bath uni, amazing uni. Um, I went to Paris and that's actually where I got baptized. Um, and it was when Hillsong was just starting, um, And it was just when I just decided, like, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to live for Jesus. You can't be half in, half out. Um, And, you know, it's not a, you know, it's it's definitely a very conscious decision. But I tell you, when souls are safe for the kingdom, the devil is not happy. And and I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I made that decision. It was plain sailing ever since. But it definitely sustained me for the journey ahead. And so I'm really thankful that. You know, I had that experience, you know, it was almost taken away from all I knew just to make sure that it was just me and Christ. And um, I'm grateful for the the um, church plant of Hillsong at the time. I know it's a massive church now in Paris, but um, that's where my beginnings started. So I was about 18, 19 at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. And also to be yeah, baptized in Paris. Yeah. What a place. <laughs> wow. Oh, that is, that's so amazing. So like in terms of your sport as well, like bringing in your sport into your mm. faith, like what was that like being a Christian athlete and how did your faith impact, you know, your sporting life as well? Goodness. Um, looking back, I'm like, that was not me at all. Um, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me. I think there was one race where I must've just had a phenomenal performance 
Um, and I was like, that was all Christ because I was riddled with anxiety, fear um, before the race. Um, and a few things would happen at certain races. And I was a junior, it was a 400 meter national championship at Bedford, good old Bedford. And I remember just feeling very alone. And that was the hard thing for me. Like as much as athletics is amazing, it's an individual individual sport, um, uh, unless you run a relay <laughs> and it can be very lonely. And I remember no one ever, you know, I wasn't someone that people say, oh, she's going to win this race. You know, I wasn't ever the favorite, but for some reason, God would always just, you know, exalt me at the at the time I needed to be. And I remember somewhere, I believe as an angel, he was just start at this, he was at the start on the first bend and he said, you're going to win. You can win this race. Um, and I remember looking high and low for this guy afterwards and he just was gone. But I remember the face. Um, and I remember that day just thinking, I don't know why I'm so nervous. You can't pray and worry. You can't worship and worry. It's, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so if it's God's will for me to, to be in this arena, he will carry me through wherever he guides, he provides. So yeah, as a junior athlete, very early, I quickly, you know, realized that I need to put the two together (laughs) and that everything I did would be for his glory and in his strength. Um, But I did struggle with a lot of fear, a lot of criticism comes with the sports arena. Um, It's a difficult environment to be in and be uh, professing your faith as well. And I didn't realize the implications until I got higher up um, into the elite um, spheres. Um, But you know what, you know, in Christ, I trust all the time. And he's definitely never let me down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. (laughs) And yeah, I love how it is a process. And I love how you're like, really honest about that, that like, it does take time to kind of get to that point of, you know, like, I guess realizing um, the impact that faith has um, but also getting to that point of being like super open about it as well and I can definitely relate to that like for so long I never really thought of both being connected like I just thought oh well God's just interested in the spiritual things like he's not interested Mm. in my you know in like my sports career as well and it took a while for me to actually start praying about sport and realizing that actually of course God's interested in it Yeah. yeah he cares for everything that we you know for our whole lives everything we do so Absolutely. And, you know, you know, the Bible talks about him giving us gifts and talents to use um, for his glory. And I think, you know, it's not nothing is by accident. He strategically placed us in that arena. And all we have to do is stay in tune with his will and his desire. So for me, I knew I was placed there by him because many times out of my own strength and my own logic, I wanted to leave athletics. Um, but it would never work out. And and I realized there was an assignment that he had me there to do. Um, and so I just learned to submit to that and just kind, kind of really tune into why I was there at that time. And there's always something spiritual going on. Um, and it's, again, why it's more than just medals. Um, people used to always kind of be like, you're so strange. Like, why are you talking to that person? You're about to compete. And I was like, don't get me wrong. When I'm on the track, I like to compete. I'm competitive. You can be a Christian and be competitive, but you can also love your neighbor, you know? Um, and that's the bit that I think the world gets confused with, but you know, we're, we're kingdom living and we're just trying to demonstrate Christ likeness in this world. 
Yeah, yeah, I really love that. I agree with what you said about that competitiveness. Like, I definitely have that question as well. Like, how, you know, how do you navigate, I guess, rivals, those that you're competing against as a Christian? And I agree with you. It's just about showing love and, and being kind. Um, so I love hearing that from you because, yeah, I definitely relate to that. Yeah, people always just say, oh, you're too nice and you're too <laughs> yeah. this and why are you too nice? You know, listen, my latter years of my career, so just recently, um, I moved all the way to Wigan to train with, uh, the lady, the team that was my biggest rivals. Um, and, and that was only able to happen because no matter what we did on the track, off the track, you know, we had respect for each other. And, you know, I, I just tried to um, display that love that I have for God's people. Um, believers or not, I believe you're God's people and God loves you. And I, I just try and exude that. So yeah, shout out to Jenny and Trevor. They really tried to support me, um, in the latter parts, but, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> on the track, you know, everyone wants to run that race and come first, but only one person can win. And the real winning is, you know, whether my performance was pleasing to God. So, yeah, so I did, I did actually, um, listen to another podcast you did and I know a slogan um, that you use was more than medals so that definitely relates you know what you're saying and yeah I think it's so important to like linking that to identity how did you find navigating identity as an athlete like did you ever feel like the athlete identity became like I guess too much did you ever feel like it was all you were or did you always have a grounding you know somewhere else so I think very early I realized I didn't fit the typical narrative of the UK athletics or British 800 meter runner. So all automatically coming in as an 800 runner, my identity was questioned. If I um, put it all on sport, um, you know, and I learned very early that I couldn't put my worth on two minutes around the track because it was be a roller coaster. You know, it took me a while to find my rhythm and break two minutes each year. Um, and one mentor told me, you know, never let any high take you too high or any low take you too low. Um, and I think God is my constant through a ever changing world. Um, and so I just, you know, I definitely had my identity shaken at times and questions. And I thought the only way I can weather this, this storm is by, you know, really anchoring my faith and my identity on Christ. And that's never changing. Um, and that's unconditional. Whereas the world of sport is so fickle, they will love you today. And then you're nothing tomorrow. Um, and that hurts because the flesh is, you know, it's ever present, you can't get away from it. But I just know that, you know, faith is the substance of things unseen. And, and I just had I just decided to anchor my identity on Christ. And that's really what saw me through it. It was definitely shaken when I started to retire again, because it was a huge chunk of me. But the reason I was able to get through that period is because actually running didn't define me. I'm also someone that's very multi uh, faceted and, and I did a lot of things and I always loved a lot of things. I came in a multi-sport athlete. I love to sing. I love debating. And it was almost like I felt suffocated at one point when coaches would say, you're not taking your running seriously. And I was like, no, all these other things make me the runner that I am. Um, and I don't want to have to choose. Even at work now, my manager's just like, I don't know how you juggle all this thing. But that's how I juggle it, you know. Um, and so, yeah, whenever I was told to, you know, stop smiling in the courtroom, stop singing in the courtroom, I, it wasn't me. I felt so stiff and like it has a physical impact on you like when I'm 
too serious, <laughs> I get really tense. And so singing and breathing and smiling is actually my strategy to stay relaxed and stay at peace. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, something that you definitely need when you're going out to do battle on that track or in that field is peace and knowing that the peace of the Lord goes with me wherever it was definitely, those are the best races I had when I just was able to just give that all over. And then I could focus on the things I've been training for and, and really flow. We all chase that flow state and that's how I achieved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so great. And I, I love what you said as well about sport being fickle. Like, definitely a lot of people can relate to that for sure. And I know, especially during lockdown, I think that was my revelation of that. Sure. You know, when the track was closed and the gym was closed, there were no competitions. Is that wow. sudden realization of, you know, just like, wow, like, yeah, I can't, I can't keep myself grounded here. Like, it's, it's gone. <laughs> like, how quickly did that happen? It all just ended. <laughs> other thing got yeah here today gone tomorrow and you know it you know you're, you're so spot on with lockdown it just showed how quickly the things of this world can be taken away yeah. um but also when we're talking about fickleness you know I'm a medalist I've got several medals to my name but I wasn't on a single list to go into a track you know and you know Fortunately, you know, favor of the Lord goes with you and I was given keys to a track and obviously I was going through my retirement at that stage and I just thought there's so many athletes that because they won't have a medal or they're not on some list, they cannot train and continue to pursue their dreams. So that was something that really irritated me and I just, you know, I think those that don't have all their identity rooted on that, they'll be okay because, you know, they will bounce back and they have other support networks, but those that don't, they're falling down a slippery, slippery slope. And, and you know, I'm thankful that I didn't stay on that path too long and, and definitely had Christ to kind of be my anchor because that was definitely a constant throughout this ever-changing up and down world of sport. Yeah. I was actually going to talk a bit more about that time, you know, the athlete transition and your retirement and just how did you find that and, and how did you find your faith, you know, impacting that? And I know everybody's, you know, we're going to speak a bit about that. Yes, it was definitely the time where my faith was really tested, really rocked. Um, the one thing that kept me going, though, was that I never questioned God. Um, but I was also so, so shocked at how low I was. I talk a lot about mental health and I'm really intrigued about the battle of the mind. My pastor talked, we're doing a series on this at the moment. I think it's so important because for me, the one thing that I was always sure of, sure of was my strength of mind. And so for the enemy to attack that, I knew like, okay, this is the big, the big thing that I have to overcome and I can only overcome this with Christ. And I got to a place where I had nothing and no one but him that I could trust. And that's not in a negative way. I have beautiful people in my life. God even brought, you know, strangers who would try and uplift me, but he really wanted to show me that it was only through him and me um, strengthening. I always feel like, I always say this analogy of Wi-Fi, <laughs> and my Wi-Fi connection had got a bit, you know, a bit unstable um, because of the distractions of this world. So retirement was the ultimate distraction. What am I going to do next? You know, I was angry at things that had happened in my career. And, I, you know, my eye, my focus probably kind of came off. I probably wasn't in my word. I think the main thing that athletics did was take me away from 
being planted in a church, which was always a strong desire of mine because we travel so much. And I know, you know, God is with you wherever you go. And I would stay, you know, connected. I'm, you know, I was connected to many different churches, but that covering of, of a spiritual home or a spiritual father or mother is so important. And that is, that was my biggest desire. I was like, I need that community. Um, and I think I also stayed in track a little bit too long. Um, and I think that was ultimately what led to that, you know, um, God doesn't ever do anything to harm us. He has incredible plans for us, but because of my own desires and really wanting to get back to, to, to back on track one more time, I stayed a little bit too long. Um, 2020 was my plan. It wasn't God's plan. Um, and ultimately it never came to pass because of that. Um, and yeah, I, I, someone on Instagram messaged me and said, when are you going to put running at the altar? And it really was a kick in the gut. Hayley Melinda, she's an amazing speaker. Um, And I don't think we've ever talked about it, but she's married now. God bless her. Amazing marriage. Um, Congratulations, (laughs) sis. But she said that to me and I thought, wow, that is literally God saying. Like, I was a little bit offended and I was like, it kept running through my mind. And I was like, but don't you know what I'm trying to do? I just need to get back and... And because I wanted to use my platform getting back on track for so many of the causes that I'm talking about, but I felt like God was just like, my daughter, please, I will in my own time, you know, give you that, that audience, your voice will be heard, but it's not on your agenda. It's on, on mine. And, um, so that really took me about two years to come to terms with when I, honestly, I can't expect, explain the relief when I finally understood why God no longer wanted me in the running arena. It just was like this massive burden lifted. Um, And, you know, that happened for me when I became a non-exec director. And I just thought, wow, you know, that verse, you know, uh, in Joel where, you know, the, the enemy, God will restore the things stolen by the locusts. And I felt one by one, everything that had been taken from me was gradually being restored and it doesn't just happen like one bit here. It just started coming, bam, 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 bam. And I was just like, wow, this is all the blessings that I was I was blocking. I was my own obstacle in this, in this point because I was chasing, you know, pain and the things that I'd been let down. And I was trying to do it in my own strength. But, you know, with God, it's a lot easier. <laughs> so retirement, you know, to your question, it was, it was a huge learning curve. I realized everything I'd I'd achieved and gone through in track was a training ground for what's to come. Um, So yeah, it's hard in the moment. I think, you know, it's led me to an incredible uh, church family, which was obviously a a big desire in me. It's, um, you know, I now sing again. I stopped singing throughout lockdown through depression and being you know, battle of the mind. And, you know, one of the first things my pastor did was put me in the choir. I was like, oh. (laughs) Um, And I just love to sing and I just love to sing to the Lord. And I'm not, I can't read music or anything like that. So I was just like, our choir is very, very strong like that. So I was a little bit, oh, but if it's for the Lord. And it was how it happened. We were just at Young Minister's and he said, someone here keeps singing in their secret place. Now, anyone who knows me knows I sing all the time. I do. <laughs> but, you know, I was, you know, singing more for weddings and things like that. And he's like, you need to use your voice to glorify the Lord. And he's, you know, been you know, like 
we have a lot of one-to-one sessions and he keeps telling me about my voice and my voice. And for so long in my athletics career, my voice was constantly suppressed and muted. And even before that, you know, through things, adversity I faced at life, I always felt like my voice isn't being heard. And I just feel like it's incredible. Like now is really, God is really opening up doors and, and using me how he wishes, not necessarily how I thought it's going to happen, but it's even better and glorifying him. You know, that's, that's my daily prayer that whatever I say, wherever I speak, just glorifies him. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's so much there. When you're speaking, it reminded me of a verse um, that I was actually reading in a devotional today. And um, mm. Proverbs 16, verse 9, where mm. it says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And like you were saying about how, you know, we have moments where we, we plan and we plan, especially as athletes, we have to plan a lot. Like we have to plan our season, yeah. next season, you know, whatever. And actually, it's true that, you know, God is the one that really establishes our way. And, and sometimes things end maybe before we expect or, or things begin at a time maybe that we don't expect, but God's, you know, establishing our steps. So yeah, I love what you're saying about that. And also about music as well. Um, I love how I've got that in common as well, actually, like in terms of singing. And I love how, you know, that's something that you've been able to almost like rekindle your love for, for singing and for music um, during this time as well, which is so great. And um, I was, I was going to ask you about your new church because I know we spoke previously and just, such an amazing story about how you got connected to your church and how that links to sports. So I'd love for you to share that with us. Absolutely. I absolutely have found home. I'm 38 and I have not been planted in a church where I can go every week because of, you know, the lifestyle I chose. And I believe that, you know, God blessed that as well. And wherever I would go in the world, I would go to a church, I would connect with people. So it's not that I've been out of church, but there's just that feeling of having a home church. Yeah. And so when I was in Wigan, I was going to church online, which was, you know, it served a purpose. Um, and TC Nation in America, I've done, you know, a substantial amount of time in the States. So I kind of had an affinity with American churches. And, I, you know, I, I loved what was going on. But there was, for me, just this, you can't forsake the gathering of the brethren and, you know, just being under a covering of a spiritual father, which for me has many connotations because I feel like I've lived quite an unbridled life. Thank God. God's always been carrying me, but you know, I'm not super close to either of my parents. Um, and so listening to that voice of authority is very hard for me. Um, and I'm not a, you know, by any means a wild person, but I just, I'm like, I'm just, all I can do is trust God. And if God says this person is speaking truth into me, then I'll listen to them. But if not, and I found a lot of false prophets along the way. So, um, I remember when I in in lockdown and when I was at my lowest, I would just say, God, and I was connected to a church in Liverpool and they would check in, the pastors would check in and they were just saying, just pray for your community, Maz. Like that's our prayer with you. And and that's all I did for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months. And God kept saying, come back to London. If I was honest, I didn't want to come back to London. (laughs) I don't know why. But for some reason, the pool was there. Um, and a friend of mine, so in 2020, quite a few churches, sadly, um, a lot of revelation happened and became no more church. I was going to at the time where I would dip into was one of those, but a really close friend of mine who I've known for over 15 years, um, and who'd been very hurt by things that happened. Um, I just checked in with her when I came back and I was like, I know she takes her walk very seriously and wouldn't just go to any house. So I said, where are you? 
um, worshipping at the moment. And she was like, oh, I'm going to this amazing church in South London. I was like, huh? South London? Okay. Wow. Okay. What's it called? She was like, Redeemed Pillar of Fire. I was like, is it a Niger church? And she was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I ain't coming. <laughs> you know, past hers. And she's like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's God-fearing, Bible preaching. You know, everyone's amazing. I was like, yeah, that's what everybody says. You said it's a Niger church, Redeemed Pillar of Fire. I'm not coming. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I respect my friend. And I was like, she wouldn't just be in any house. So God was still on my heart. Like, you said you want community. I'm giving you community. You better listen. So I arranged to go one Sunday and as the devil does, I got some fear on the Saturday. So I was like, I can't come. (laughs) I'm not feeling very well. (laughs) Um, But my spirit wasn't settled. And I was just like, what are my excuses? Oh, it's far. Oh, it's far. That was about it. (laughs) So um, what else am I doing? And at that time, I honestly, Gary, I was a a shadow of myself. I wasn't going out. I was, all I would do is have energy to do my job and that was it. And so I was like, okay, I'm back in London. I need to start rebuilding. Like this is not God's portion for me. So I arranged to go all the way there. I was complaining. It's so far. I'm taking a train to here. I didn't have a car at the time. I'm changing at London Bridge. Who even comes to South when you're from Northwest? Um, but when I got, and also then when I got to the the building, so it's all one sanctuary now. Well, we've got two sanctuaries, but another church, a white garment church. Um, we're also worshiping in the second sanctuary, uh, but you know, bless God, they've moved on now. Um, so I was a bit fearful of that and I saw it and I was like, Anne, what have you brought me to? And she's like, no, 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 keep going around the corner. We're in the second building. Uh, and honestly, when I just opened the doors, just, I'll never forget Naomi, one of our amazing welcome team. I felt like I'd known her. I, I still always tell her, I feel like I've seen your face before worship no prayer prayer was going on and just the atmosphere was amazing worship started praise started and I was like okay that's the easy part people can always get people with the praise and worship yeah it's a shop front um and then a pastor came on and I remember thinking okay god please let this be a man of god who is just gonna be you know just hunger for you and and teach us you know according to your word and I liked his style it's very um I don't know. I kind of like that motivational coaching, encouraging you to to exercise your belief, go in the word. You know, he asks, he lets you ask question. Very accessible man of God. And I really related to that. I also was blown away by how much youth were on fire for Christ. Like it's, it's just it's something that's amazing. It gives me goosebumps. But there was also elders there and they're there with their parents. And I really saw this generational, multicultural um congregation so I remember saying to God okay this is cool I can come once a month but if I should come back I need a really obvious sign that I should be planted here um and literally the next sentence was something 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 UK athletics and I was like oh did I really hear that correctly and then he started talking about sports a bit and I was like okay interesting so no one knows anything about me um and at the end of the service I went up and I I met him I said thank you I really enjoyed I felt like everything he said just as it does when uh, it's for you it's for you and I said can I just ask a question did you mention UK athletics and he said oh that's right as pastor says all the time that's right uh so I used to be an athlete you know he like went and got his medals so he um did athletics in France um used to play football as well 
but he literally trained at Crystal Palace with people I know. John Powell's group, like Conrad Williams was in that group. James Ellington was in that group. Wade Bennett-Jackson. And, you know, I'm best friend with his former partner who I met through that group. And it was just like, okay, that couldn't have got any clearer that that was for me. I even met James at the uh, Personal Best Foundation launch. And um, I said to him, because he was the first face that came into my head when he started saying the group he was in. And I said, oh, do you recognize this man? And I showed him the picture of my pastor. And he's like, Gus, because that's what they used to call him. He's like, he's just disappeared. And I was like, yeah, he's leading an incredible church now. And so that was amazing. And James was like, yeah, I'm going to come down. So I'm holding him to that. <laughs> We're waiting for you. But it's an incredible house. We've got things going on all the time. And just to wrap up, like I was like, I'm going to come once a month. I am there at least four times a week. And it is a trek, but nothing is too far for God. And it's my fuel. It keeps me going. People always say, how do you do all this stuff without, you know, and, and obviously I can't be all the time because I still travel. I still do. It, it's, it's energized me. It's brought me back to life. But my connection to Christ and that Wi-Fi connection is so much stronger because I am now planted where I believe I should be. Yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. Even though I'm hearing that story the second time, I'm still like, wow, it's just, so, <laughs> it's just so amazing. I love how, you know, God really confirmed to you that that was a place for you. And yeah, I mean, church is just so important. And I think that's one thing I really hope those who are listening realize as well that, you know, even though you're busy, even though you're traveling, it's difficult, but church is so important. It's just great to have that encouragement and have that like family. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things I love about RPF is we have many branches in the universities. We have fellowships, you know, it, not everybody can get there. We have programs that you can tune in on Google Meets. It's about connecting and spreading the gospel and love as far as wide as we can. And I think if I had had that at university, oh my gosh, I look at our youth church, I look at our young ministers and I'm just like, wow, I wish at 21, this is what I was doing. (laughs) But, um, you know, I just, you know, it's so, you know, it it says we're two or three are gathered, you know, God is there. And I think just having that encouragement, especially in the times we're in, is so, so important. So I always extend, you're always welcome. We'd love to fellowship with you sometime. Uh, We have lots of events on. um, But ultimately, it's just about, you know, not just looking good, it's about being good and really um, ministering to people. So one of the things the church has really increased my confidence is, is evangelism, you know, and I love what this podcast stands for because essentially we're evangelizing and sharing our truth and sharing what we know about Christ and his goodness in our life. Yeah. Oh, so good. And I really want to visit one day if I'm, if I'm in London. Whenever <laughs> you're in London, <laughs> let me know. I'll pick I'll you up you from know. where <laughs> Yeah. Um, so um, we're getting near to the end now, but I've got like two more questions I'd really love Amazing. to ask. Amazing. <laughs> so the first one is, what would your advice be or, and your encouragement to Christians in the sports industry? Shout his fame. You know, do not be uh, discouraged by what you see around you. Like just anchor yourself in the word, fill yourself up with the word, Fill yourself up with good people, you know, believers even better. But I know that can be, you know, hard. You might be the only believer in a certain space. So that's why it's important. As much as you look after yourself physically, you need to look after yourself spiritually um, because that will be your source of strength and that will get you through so, so much. Um, 
and yeah, and just don't be ashamed of the gospel. You know, God has put you in that arena for a reason. Um, and your talent is just one tool he's using to use you as a light in this world. Um, but you do really need to, um, cover yourself and guard your heart because you know that's out of there is where matters of life flow um, and you can do that by strengthening yourself with the word mm, yeah love that. yeah it's so important exactly that we look after ourselves fully that we're not just flesh we're we're spirit we're soul and yeah just have that full, yeah. that full, mm. cover, that full covering. I'm speaking from experience you know often I was so meticulous with everything I needed to do for athletics uh, and some races when I would get there and be like oh I've done everything I'm supposed to do, but I still feel flat. I still, and you know, it might've been like, I'd, I'd not connected with God. I'd not, you know, asked for his permission. I'd not asked for his strength or, you know, and he should never be last on the agenda, always first. And whenever I led with God first, because he always goes before you um, and invited him into it, you know, I had not a care in the world. And especially if you're someone who struggles with mind battles, uh, which essentially sport is all about, Filling yourself up with the word um, is is essential. As much as meticulous as you are with every other part of your training, um, you know you need to be that diligent with your walk in Christ. Yeah, yeah, so true. <laughs> and finally, um, do you have anything else on your heart to share with us today? The sports arena needs us Christians. Um, I think there's so much yet to come. I think it is such a a difficult world one of my you know biggest objectives of being on the board was that when I competed and I struggled so much there was no one I could relate to when I looked at senior level and leadership level um there was no one who could hear my pain or could relate to what I was talking to that's changing now I believe athletes are rising up so much more so you know I wanted to be there one to be a beacon of hope um and so it's just really just you know continue to to chase your dreams it's not it's not wrong it is absolutely if god's given you a dream it's there for a reason um but make sure you connect with like-minded people who share your vision and values because you know it's very easy to be um tempted it's very easy to be uh distracted it's very easy to succumb to the the delights of the world that are very alluring um and so i just you know encourage you know christians in sport to to find your community that you can uh strengthen iron sharpens iron strengthen each other um please reach out to me if anyone needs any support any prayer any you know anything like that but just try and cover yourself because the sporting arena is is a very difficult one to navigate and you don't want to dilute your faith um, because ultimately your salvation is is the biggest prize that you'll ever ever um gain yeah thank you thank you for sharing your wisdom with us all all the amazing encouragement advice you've given us today so god bless you and 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 i'm just, just again so proud of you so on board any support you need please you know where I am and I just pray that God continues to take you from strength to strength through this you're doing incredible work for the kingdom and I'm just so excited that I get to be your first guest so thank you
Oh, thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening to the first episode. And yeah, hope you were really encouraged and we'll see you soon for the next one. Have a great day. Bye.